Awesome. We got popcorn. You guys, get, did you guys get popcorn? All right. If you didn't, I think there's some more in the back. Feel free to grab some um, while we talk about Jesus. That's fine. Um, if you are <clears throat> joining us for the first time, we are continuing a series entitled Christmas at the Movies. We've been looking at several movies, and we're talking about and doing comparisons of them and uh, some messages in life of Christ. And so we hope that you can uh, jump on with us. If you haven't heard any of the messages, we have them on our podcast, so you can check those out as well. We're going to ask that if you have your Bibles, that you'll turn to the book of Mark 9. Everyone's like, what's the Bible? If you have an app or whatever in your phone, please go to that as well. And you can go to uh, chapter Mark 9. While you're flipping or scrolling to the Mark 9, I'm going to pray for us real quick. Um, dear God, I pray that you'd open up our hearts, open up our ears to receive your word, to receive your truth. That, Father, you would speak to us in ways where we could draw into your presence. Father, we thank you and bless, us, bless you for allowing us to be in this moment to receive your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Mark 9, starting at verse 17 through 20. If you guys will please stand with me as we honor God's word and reading. Amen. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought you my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him into a violent violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you are faithless people. How long must I deal with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth. Amen. You guys may be seated. Um, this week's movie that we're doing is entitled The Polar Express. How many of you guys have seen The Polar Express before? Yeah, this is one of my least favorite Christmas movies. Um, it is super creepy, and the animation is a little weird. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but it's, um, I saw somebody say it's boring. Um, but... Um, the only great, th there's probably two great things out of the Polar Express that I like. You may love the Polar Express, and we'll probably never be really good friends. But there's two things <laughs> I probably really enjoy from the Polar Express. One of them is the hot chocolate song. It is the best part of the whole, everyone's like, yes, hot chocolate. Um, that is one of my favorite parts of the movie. And the other part is this great truth that it has throughout the movie, this great uh, concept that it shares. You may not like the animation, you may not like that Tom Hanks does all 18 characters of, of the 20 characters in the Dagon movie, but it is something about the concept that is shared in this movie. It's this concept about belief. If you're not familiar with the story, let me give you some help. Let me backtrack a little bit for you. There's a young man that's starting to fall out of um, belief or hope in this idea of Santa Claus. He's getting older and he's starting to believe that, hey, maybe this guy isn't real, he doesn't bring presents, he doesn't come through the chimney, Chimney. he's not a real person, he's not a real thing. His sister's believing, but he doesn't believe, and his parents are hoping that he believes, and they still think that he believes, but he's not believing. He's reading books, he's getting information, he's not a big fan, and so this train comes to his house one night and tells him to hop on board and let's go. It's on the way to the Polar Express. The Polar Express is a giant train that's for those kids that really believe and those kids that are starting not to believe that they're losing hope, losing faith. They hop on this train and the train is headed to the North Pole. The train is headed to the North Pole to meet who? 
little slow, but here we go. Got it. Let's head away to Santa Claus. So they're going down their way to see Santa Claus. They get to the North Pole, and this is where he has this moment where he has to start believing in, in what he thinks he is or what he's going to be or what he's going to celebrate and what he's going to be a part of. It's this moment where he has to start questioning, am I really going to believe this thing, this idea, this concept, even on a train that's magical, that's taking him all the way to the North Pole, he still has a struggle and a hard time believing. We find in this story that we're about to talk about a man who has a son that is possessed with a demon spirit. This evil spirit has wrapped his son up. It has tormented his son for quite some period of time. This man has taken his son to Jesus' disciples. He's asked them to remove this spirit from this son. And the, de- uh, excuse me, the, the disciples weren't able to do it. And so now he finds himself in a situation where the only thing he's got left is to run up and come in contact with Jesus. And we find a man who is trusting in God, but at the same time, lacking faith. I don't know about you, but there have been a couple times in my life where I'm kind of trusting God, but I'm losing faith at the same time. I'm trusting God to do some great things in circumstances and situations and finances and in money and in marriage and with kids and with other responsibilities. And even when I'm trusting him, I still find myself at a weak moment in faith where I've ultimately lost a lot of faith. I don't know about you. I'm just talking about me at certain times and moments in my life. I want to share with you this story of how with this man we can identify with him and how we should respond when it comes to us struggling with faith. I want to share with you three things today. Here's the first thing I want to share with you, which is found in Mark, 21, Mark 9, 21 through 22. It says, we feel like no one cares. We feel like no one cares. Let's read this. That was too fast, man. You got... How long has it been? How, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, Since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into fire or into water, trying to kill him. So here's what happens. Um, he comes up to him, and, he, and this guy, this guy that has this, this son that's possessed, he says, Listen, he says, I need, he says, Listen, Jesus, I want you to help my son. I want you to heal him. I want you to, to, to set him free from this evil spirit. And so Jesus asks this question, which is a really weird question. He asks this question, How long has this, how long has this boy uh, uh, been sick? How long has he had this issue? Um, it's Jesus. Jesus doesn't need to know that question. He already knows the question, he already knows the answer to that. He knows that this boy is been infected for a long time with this evil spirit. He already knew that. But a lot of times when you and I are dealing with issues of faith, when we're dealing with life is becoming hard, life is becoming a struggle, life is becoming frustrating, the first thing we start to do is we start to go down this slippery slope of nobody really cares about me. When we start going down this this slope of we've got issues, we've got problems, we've got struggles, we've got hard times, and we start feeling like nobody cares about us. We start feeling like nobody understands who I am. Nobody understands what I'm struggling with. Nobody understands what I'm wrestling with. When we start going down this slippery road of saying nobody, 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 we also start to put God in the same category of nobody. If God is God, then he always and forever, what, cares about us. But it always seems that when there's trauma, when there's problems, when there's frustrations, when there hurts, we start to say nobody cares. And so what Jesus does is he does two things when he asks this question. 
the first thing he does is he wants everyone, he wants that man to understand that I care about you. I have been through a billion counseling sessions counseling people. Some husband comes and tells me, this is the problem with my marriage and I don't really, you know, da, da. and I say, all right, let's set up a counseling session. And some woman tells me, I can't stand him because dot, 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 dot. And I already know half the story already. And I pull the couple together, and the first thing I say is, why don't you tell me what's what going on? And then I ask her, why don't you tell me what's going on? And they both get a chance to express their story, because at this moment in this counseling session, this is me beginning to let you know I am fully invested and I care about you. Jesus already knew what the man's situation is. He just asked him, what's the problem? Because he wanted him to know, I'm fully invested in whatever you're about to tell me. I'm about to sympathize with whatever you're going through. I am totally engaged in your moment. And a lot of times we forget that regardless of what we're going through, even when we feel like nobody cares, that Jesus is still engaged in our moment. Jesus is still engaged in our hard time. Jesus is still engaged in our frustration. Jesus is still engaged in our hurt. Jesus is still fully invested in us even when we don't feel like it. The other reason why Jesus asks this question of how long you've been struggling with this stuff is because when the man brought his son to Jesus, it was a crowd of people, and Jesus wanted them to understand that no matter what you're going through, how long you've been dealing with it, I'm still the God that can fix all problems. <sighs> Here we go. Sorry. Here we go. And so he says this because he wants people to fully understand that regardless of what's going on around you and what you're dealing with, I am still the God of the universe that can fix your problem. A lot of times your problem is not for you. Your problem is for other people. I'll say it again. A lot of times the struggle that you deal with, the hardship that you deal with, the pain that you deal with is not just for you. It's for other people. All right, hold on. Just, just give, me, give me a second. Hold on, just. Here we go. Stay. Here we go. Watch this. This is called a Bible. Say hello, Bible. There you go. In this Bible are all these tremendous stories of people's what? Struggle, hardship, frustration, pain, loss of faith, loss of hope, loss of child, loss of parent, loss of job, life on the line, threatened, dangered, bodily harm. All of these stories lie within this Bible. Y'all with me? God gave us the Bible for you and I to thrive off of. Whoa, deep revelation. And so when you and I struggle with faith, it's not because he wants to crush us with pain. It's because a lot of times he wants us to learn something in that story, in that struggle, but also other people would be blessed by our struggles as well. Y'all with me? And so all these stories of struggle and pain and hardship and how God still brings us around, how God still heals us, how God still saves us, how God still takes care of us, we see it in the lives of other people. Sometimes your struggle isn't just your struggle. Sometimes our moment of if God is real, sometimes our moment of when the job's going to come, sometimes our moment of our marriage is breaking up, sometimes our moment our kids won't listen, sometimes our kids won't listen, sometimes our kids... <laughs> listen. <laughs> they listen. God, make them listen. <laughs> Whatever that struggle is, 
is not just to frustrate us, but it's for us to learn and grow from it and trust him and also help people understand that, yes, marriage was wrong. Yes, marriage was, mac- was jacked up in this situation, this circumstance, but he still came around and healed it. Can he heal your marriage? Yes. Can he heal your hardship? Yes. Can he heal your frustration? Yes. Can he heal your loneliness? Yes. Because he's given us evidences. And sometimes just because we're struggling with this one particular thing doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean that because you're going with it and dealing with it for such a long period of time that God is still not there and still not faithful. He is dealing with it so that other people at the same time can be blessed. We get so caught up on me and no one cares and no one's there and and then nobody gets it. And God is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. But this struggle isn't just for you. This is a story that's going to come out of your struggle. There's there's joy that's going to come out of this horrible moment. There's, There's such blessing that's going to come out of your pain. Stop getting caught up in your struggle, your frustration, your hurt, your tears. I'm learning in life. So when stuff hits me hard, it's going to be a great testimony. I'm learning in life somebody's going to be really blessed from the story I have to share with them about this moment, about this situation, this next chapter in my life. And when we can get there, we rise above. We push through that nobody cares. We get past these moments. But a long time before we get there, a lot of times we get to point number two. We fight with our faith. Mark 9, 22 through 24 reads like this. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my own belief. So he says, he comes to Jesus and he says, listen, I've been to your disciples to heal my son from this this demonic spirit. They couldn't get it done. I'm in this crowd where all these people are looking for you to help them to change their lives. I'm bringing you my son, and I'm asking you if you can heal my son if you can. And Jesus says, what? What do you mean if I can? What do you you mean if I can? I'm Jesus. I, I got this. What do you mean if I can? It's a question that a lot of us ask in life. This man at this moment isn't expressing faith as much as he's expressing hope. Uh, yeah. So, so Jesus isn't, Jesus, Jesus is saying, what, what do you mean if I can? This man came to Jesus not in faith but in hope. Here's the definition of hope. A feeling of expectation, a desire for a certain thing to happen. He's got hope that Jesus can fix the situation, but he's not coming to him with faith. Faith is complete trust and confidence in someone or something. Do you guys see the difference? Faith, complete trust and confidence in something or someone. Hope, a feeling of expecting something. And so he comes to the man and says, listen, I, Jesus, I really hope you can heal my son. And Jesus says, what do you mean you hope that I can heal him? 
He says, I hope that you can heal them because I gave them to your disciples, your trusted followers, the people that have been studying under you, and they couldn't do anything. I've had this problem for years. My son has been hurt, has been burned, has almost been drowned. He's fallen. He's been in all kind of issues. I'm so frustrated. I hope you can fix it. And everyone in this whole place can relate to hope when it comes to Jesus. Man, I'm going to try this new church. I hope there's a good message. I'm going to try to come home to this wife again. I hope her attitude changes. She's not here today. I, I, total freedom. I come, I come home. I come home, and man, I hope this husband... It's actually cleaned up something after eight hours on Saturday of being home all day. And his team's got to buy. He got to have done something. Nope. We all find ourselves in these circumstances and situations where we are literally hoping for something to happen. We come to Jesus hoping that he'll fix the situation, not necessarily faith, but hope that he'll heal, hope that he'll work, hope that he'll do. We hope, we hope, we hope. And God says, I need you to have what? Faith. And so Jesus says, what do you mean you hope? Sometimes in my head, Jesus is a guy from Southeast D.C. He's a real hardcore guy. Sometimes he's like, what do you mean you hope? Come on, man. <laughs> he says, don't you understand? He says, who I am? And the father responds to Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. He says to Jesus, help me overcome my lack of faith. Help me overcome my ability not to trust in you like I should. Help me overcome the fact that I'm hoping instead of having faith that you will, that you can, that you are able. Help me overcome my lack of faith. Hi. I love this because all of a sudden, he took his eyes off his problem and put his eyes on his relationship with God. Did y'all catch that? Let's say this boy is 20. And the scriptures say he's been, a, he's been this way since he was a young boy. So let's say about seven. I'm just, I'm just giving numbers. They didn't give me any dates, but let's just pretend for all of these years, 10 plus years, his son has had this demonic spirit. He's almost been burnt. He's almost been drowned. He's, 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 he's all this foaming of the mouth, all of this evil, all of this wickedness. This has been his problem for 10 plus years. And he comes to Jesus asking Jesus to fix his what? Problem. And in this moment, he's no longer worried about his problem. He's worried about his lack of faith for God to move and operate. He changes the man's perspective. Did y'all catch that? We struggle with our faith because we're hoping for him to fix the wrong thing. We're hoping God to fix our problem when we need to be coming to the Father for him to fix our faith. 
that regardless of the outcome of the problem, he is still more important and more capable and more able than anything in this world. Whether my problem gets fixed or not, he is still the most important, powerful thing there is. Regardless if my problem gets fixed or not, he is God who is God who is able above all able. Help me to have more faith that you can do, more faith that you are able, more faith that you are the God of the universe. That's why when we lose a job in the household, we say, man, this sucks. And it's right around Christmas. Let's see what God's going to do. Because my faith is not in that we're going to get another job. My faith is that God is going to what? Provide. And so my faith is bigger than a nine to five or 40 hour week. My faith is in the God of the universe is going to do something great beyond what I can imagine or think. And so I'm going to trust him to do that. My faith is whether this marriage works or not, or it makes it work the way I want it to work. He's the God of the universe. He'll be able to do greater and better things. I'm trusting in God. This little boy from the Polar Express gets to the North Pole, and everybody's screaming, Santa, Santa, and he can't see Santa. Every time he looks, there's some little green, weird-looking elf person, a little green and red outfit is dancing in front of him. And he leans over here, and there's some little big-headed kid is, Santa! And all he can see is a leg of Santa or an arm of Santa. And he's so frustrated because he cannot see clearly. And he looks over, and there's these sleigh bells on this reindeer that's hopping up and down, and he can't hear the bell ring. You guys seen the movie, right? He can't hear the bell ring. And finally, the bell drops in front of him, and he grabs it, and for the first time, he hears the bell what? Ring. Why? Because he was so pressed. He had such a desire to see Santa, to be involved in Santa, to recognize Santa, that all of the stuff that involved Santa started to finally work. And that's a lot of us in this room today. We're so focused on the problem that we're not looking past that to see the evidence of how God is going to work, how God is working in our lives. And if we could, we could hear from him clearly. I was last month's message. Go get it. When we put our focus on God, we start to hear him and feel him. And it takes us above our moments, our anxieties, our worries, our shortcomings, the issues. Is this life going to work? Is this money going to work? Is this going to work? Is that going to work? How is this going to work? It takes us past that to a place where we are deeply involved and in love with him. Where we get him, where we hear him, where he resonates with us. Where his truth is before us. We, you, me, fight with our faith. And God says, stop hoping in me and have faith in me. Because when you have faith in me, then you'll be able to hope in me. That was kind of deep. He says, stop hoping in me. Have faith in me. And then you'll be able to hope in me. My hope is that I'm expecting something great from God. I'm expecting something great for God because my faith lets me know that he is more than able to deliver time and time again. So my hope isn't that he gives us a job. My hope is that he sustains us. Did y'all catch the difference? 
my hope may not necessarily be the Chris Ditch after eight hours of sitting in the house doing absolutely nothing, and when his beautiful wife comes home, he's still done nothing. That <laughs> she's going to come home and say, well, you know what? He didn't do anything, but thank God for a man that ain't out here doing everything. blow. Thank God for a husband that at least is at home, not everybody else, not with everybody else, not doing everything else. Thank God for a man that can keep his tail home and still love these kids and me. He ain't clean up nothing. But he loves me. And he's home. And I ain't got to worry about where he is. I know one place he is, right on that couch. So you got some guys cleaning the house up, making sure the walls are painted, making sure the kids are good so that they look great and they go out and do all the dirt in the world. So even though it's not how I wanted it to be, thank you, God, for the faithfulness that you've given me. And so he says, I want you to start to have faith in me that I'm bigger than your problem and hope in me that I can do tremendous and amazing things. You and I struggle with and fight with our faith. The crazy thing about faith is we have to go through dead moments when it comes to our faith. Mark 9, 25 through 27 reads like this. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Keep going. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. So Jesus does exactly what he's able to do. He heals this boy of this demonic spirit. And the boy drops down. He passed out. Maybe he's trying to fully get himself back together. But regardless of whatever's going on with this boy, regardless of the fact that this thing has left him, he looks dead to everybody else. And everybody else starts to talk about, look at this dead kid. The doubters are starting. It says the murmurers are beginning to be in the crowd, and they're saying, he's not getting up. He's not alive. And then Jesus comes in, gets this young man up. The crowd is in amazement. What they thought was dead is alive. There are so many situations that seem dead in our life. We've turned the page on, we've closed the door on, we've shut the book, we've moved on because we have deemed it dead. But God has the ability to raise dead situations. God has the ability to bring things back to life. He specializes in bringing stuff back. I told you guys last week, my brother called me on the way here, wished me a happy birthday. 
your wife's name again? Yep. Right now, Omar, Omar. Monica, right? Bam. Monica comes to me after service. She says, you better call your brother and tell him you guys want to connect. And all week, your voice has been in my head. Sorry, bro. Your voice has been in my head all week. And finally, I text my brother like Tuesday. I'm like, hey, man, we got to get up, spend some time, whatever, whatever, whatever. Saturday morning. He says, look, man, I've been super busy this week, but my schedule is real light after this week. Let's connect and let's hook up. Man, I sent that text out like Tuesday. It was nothing. Not a hold on, not a dot, 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 <laughs> nothing. And all week I've been driving like, well, that's right. I'm off the hook. Sorry, Monica. And there's that voice in the back of my head that's like, give it one more shot. And I'm like, nope. I reached out. I did my part. It happens all the time. Blah, blah, blah. Saturday morning. I think it's dead, and I've forgotten about it. I moved on, went to the next adventure. He sends me a text message. As much as we want to count stuff as dead and done, we've tried our best, we've given it our best shot. Have we tried God enough to do it again? Have we tried God enough to say, even though it looks dead, I'm going to come back one more time and trust in you. Have I tried God enough, even though that you are still powerful and amazing and this thing doesn't look like it's working, I'm going to put faith in you to make it work again. There's a story in the Bible where this tree is not giving off any kind of fruit, and they said, this tree's been here long enough. Should we just should we just, should we just chop it up? Should we get rid of it? And Jesus says, no, we're going to put some, some uh, manure going to put some manure, some compost around it, and we'll see how it does. And they kind of look because they know the tree should just, you know, it doesn't look healthy. It's not producing. We should get rid of it. And Jesus says, let's give it another year. Let's put some stuff around it. You got to understand, sometimes you got to grow through some, so, um, don't cuss, you got to go through some stuff. That's a good S word. You got to go through some stuff in order for things to be successful. You got to go through some hard times and some struggle. You got to go through some smelly and messy moments in life to be able to see the fruit of things. Sometimes you want to give up on stuff, and God says, we got to let some stuff happen for this thing to grow. As much as you want to give up on relationships and friends and family and jobs and hope and Jesus, he says, I know you've been through some stuff, but now this is the greatest time to what? Grow. That little boy had that bell from the from the story, and he put it in his pocket. He now had evidence that Santa was real. Problem was the pocket had a hole in it, and the bell fell out. And he was so upset because he couldn't get the bell. He didn't have the evidence. And he went home with new friends. He went home with some hope, but he also felt like he had lost the greatest evidence, because if you remember in the beginning of the story, he had these books and he had these papers that had given him information on whether or not to believe that Santa Claus was real. And so he had evidence. He was a logical kid. He had evidence, and he wanted to come back with physical evidence that he was for real. 
Watch the story. I know you don't want to. Watch it. And he lost the physical evidence. He lost the bell. And on Christmas morning, under his tree, he found a box. And when he opened the box, it was the bell. It was a gift from Santa Claus that had dropped off the bell and said, you lost something. Here's your bell. And he rang it. He could hear it. His sister could hear it. And his parents couldn't hear it. In his worst moment of not having the hardcore evidence he needed to prove the fact that Santa Claus was real, some of his faith probably died a little bit. He had hope. Some of his faith had died. His evidence wasn't there. And Santa Claus brought the bell back. If I was a really deep kind of person. I was like super deep. I was a really deep guy, Chris. I don't know why I'm picking on you today. I was a super deep guy. I would probably say, there was this guy who lived for 33 years. And for the last three years, he did all these amazing miracles. He healed people. He taught. He shared. He told people to believe in me. He told them that he was here to change the world. And then this guy named Jesus died. And when it looked like all hope was lost, when it looked like his disciples had no one to trust and believe again, three days later, from that death rose Jesus, which brought hope to each and every person, but which brought an avenue of faith to the life of everyone that calls themselves a believer. Even the very scriptures speak that there are going to be moments when we see that our faith becomes weak. We see that it seems like our thing that we have faith in, that we're believing in, dies, and still it comes back again. Can you trust God to fix your circumstances? Can you trust God to fix your problems? Better yet, can you trust God to be the one that's in control of all things, good, bad, and ugly, and however he lets it play out, it is for your benefit. Can your faith be in God that he is so great that he will find a way to bless you time and time again, whether it looks like the way you wanted it to or not, because he's God? Can you have faith in God that whether it doesn't play out how you hoped it would, because he is the orchestrator of all things, he is able to let you know that I have planned it out way beyond what you could see, imagine, or think. Can you trust me to take care of it, to take care of you? It was when, it was when this father <clears throat> stopped looking at his problem and put his focus on where his faith ought to be. It's when this father stopped worrying about 10, 12, 13 years of struggle, his embarrassments, his hurt, his pain, his son's disfiguration, stuff not looking like it ought to be. When he put his perspective and his focus when God, when his life changed, 
wasn't him asking, can God, can you fix my situation? When he asked God, can you change my heart to have faith in you? Is when his life changed. Stop asking the God of this universe to fix your problems. Ask God to give you brand new perspective on your relationship with him. It says, seek me first, the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added. All this righteousness will be seen. All these other blessings will take place when you seek me what first? <sighs> Here's your takeaway for today. Even in our darkest moments, Jesus is there and he cares. Even in our darkest moments. If you remember he's with you, it's the first step to believing and trusting in the God of the universe to not fix your problems, but to give you perspective over your problems. Perspective on how to live through these problems, perspective on how to fix and fix and heal you, and perspective on living life with him. And he'll add everything else that you need. Amen. Let's pray. God of the universe, who is beyond what we can understand, you have a way of working, confirming, time and time again. Would you clothe us with trust? Would you clothe us with humility? Would you clothe us with faith? Would you clothe us to honor you and to love you? To have faith in who you are and what you can do. Thank you for each problem that's brought us to this place. Thank you for each problem that's brought us to our knees. Father, we take these problems as the avenue and the vehicle that's brought us to your presence, restoring us faith in you to see from your eyes and to hear with your ears that our lives would change. In Jesus' name, amen.